Here we are, the Sunday before Christmas. Here we are. Hopefully, you've done your shopping. You've done your baking. Not, and uh, I, I start now. I start tonight doing my baking. And now I have motivation because my family is coming on the 25th. Uh, my sister and, and her husband and a group of eight are descending from the skies. Uh, and they were hoping to find uh, a winter, and they're not. Uh, so they're flying from Puerto Rico, all eight of them, uh, on Christmas Day. So I got to bake cookies and, and, and make Christmas now for my little grandnieces and all those wonderful little kids that are coming. Isn't that exciting? I wrote a little piece on, on Facebook. Very interestingly, it doesn't have more than 50, actually 35 words. And I started it by saying, I'm preparing for the worst. As I'm manning up to celebrate Christmas without loved ones. However, I can hide it because I'm a preacher and I can get busy in the season and hide it. But when all the activities are over, it hits me in the face, the loneliness. I was getting ready for the worst. But I got a phone call. And my sister said, guess what? We're all going. All eight. (laughs) And now I'm getting ready for the best. I wrote just that. And you know how many likes in just the, the Boricuas in Atlanta web, uh, Facebook? I wrote it in Spanish. Over 100 likes. What does that say? Oh, no, no, not that I'm a good writer. No, no. We know, we know better than that. Right, Mary? We know better than that. What do we hear? What are they saying? They're thirsty. Every time I hear a comment, they're thirsty for hope. They're thirsty for maybe they're getting ready for the worst. But there is hope that maybe they can get ready for the best. So this is the whole theme of this Christmas season. It is love came down on Christmas. It is the love of God that God has made, has has sent Jesus into Bethlehem at the right time, at the right season, in the right moment when people were waiting for Messiah. Jesus comes into Bethlehem. And as our Bible study on mornings uh, have, t- have taught us, we can find Bethlehem in almost anywhere where there is Bedlam. Because wherever God encounters us, it's not only in Christmas time, but God can encounter and God can come into our existence. God can come into our circumstances. God can come and be light in our darkness any day of the year. 365, 724. Because love came down on Christmas. That is our series. And, and as our series, we're beginning to testify because of that love that has come down into our hearts. We then see it, it overflows and it spills over. And we testify to our community. We testify to our neighbors. We testify of the light. How do we testify that the light has come into the world? How do we 21st century people testify to the world that the light has come to the world in Christmas season? Uh, Marietta and Austell, where I hang out. I put lights in my balcony, don't we? Isn't that testifying to the miracle that light comes in the darkness? How else do we celebrate and testify that God has shed his love on us? By sharing gifts with one another as we have received the greatest gift that we all could have received. In the season that we have began some weeks ago, we first spoke about ageless love. The love that is timeless. Because the scripture says, with everlasting love, 
I have loved you, says the Lord. The following week, we went into unfettered love. That love that is not limited. That love that is not restricted. That love that is just out there seeking, searching us. Not just to touch us, but to pour, to invade our being. And we found out that we can reject that love. But the Holy Spirit, in the old classic poem, Hound of Heaven, Hound of Heaven, Hound me now, Hound of Heaven, seek me now, is the emblem of the Spirit of God going after us, after us, after us. Listen to this. Waiting for us to surrender. Last week, we had the imagery, the story of the locksmith that came and liberated all the slaves that thought they were free within the jail. And it's Jesus who has come with liberating love. Liberating love from guilt, from shame, to victory, to courage, from powerlessness to power, from lack of forgiveness to forgiveness, from no love to love, from cheap love, shallow love, narrow love to the love that Paul reminds us of in Ephesians 3.18 that we'll see later on. Today, I want to talk about transforming love. But I don't want to talk about transforming love. I want to talk about transforming love. Get it? Not transforming love is not the adjective. It's the, the verb is transforming our love. So this morning, I want to share with you about transforming our love. And you know, it was amazing that, that we spoke about in ageless love about Zechariah. Zechariah being the father of? Oh, we got to go to Sunday school 101. These people, I can't believe it. I, no, 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 no. This is, no, no, no. Zechariah and Elizabeth were the parents of? Exactly, not the Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> the Baptist. Uh, so, so obviously, you know, when Elizabeth got the news, Mary actually, the scripture tells us that Mary joined Elizabeth. And they were very happy and they shared. And even the scripture says that, the, that once Mary received the news, she went and joined Elizabeth. And they both rejoiced at that moment. When we hear the scripture saying that the spirit moved within Elizabeth and baby John the Baptist, not the Presbyterian, jumped up and, and, and said, you know, and, and obviously reacted to the presence of the Spirit of God. But then the words of Elizabeth to Mary are the following. Remember that Elizabeth had just had a great vacation. Her husband was mute. Get it? He wasn't around to tell and boss around. He could write her perhaps and she could just, I don't know how to read. <laughs> you see? But now she is in the midst of realizing that if you believe God, God will bless you. She's experiencing that. She's withholding that child within her, yearn after yearn. And when the husband went into the Holy of Holies and he had that prayer, he didn't believe, thus he was mute. Listen to where we catch the story. When we catch Mary... And Elizabeth, and, and I'm going to be reading from verse 45, your text says verse 46, but listen very carefully to verse 45. These are the words of, of Elizabeth to Mary. And Elizabeth says to Mary in Luke chapter 145, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. 
Let me say that again. Elizabeth told Mary, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And now in our reading, listen to and for the word of the Lord. It's commonly called the Magnificat, the song of praise of Mary. And Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who reverend, revere, or fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princesses from their thrones and has exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. The word of the Lord. Guess where we are in that text? In the forever. That's us. Forever. The promise of God is for all the children, Abraham, his children, and all his descendants, forever. That's where we're at. Amazingly enough, God's love is pure and perfect. God's love is not like our love. Our love is broken. Our love tends to be very one-directional. What is the direction of our love? It has three names, me, myself, and I. When we wake up every morning, me, myself, and I, we have to learn to die to two of the three, and sometimes to all three. And that is the life of the believer. We don't live for ourselves. We live for, through, and in God. You see? But our love tends to be selfish. You see, human love says, I love you as long as you love me. Mm. God's love says, I love you no matter what. Don't get them confused. Human love says, I want something in return. God love says, my love is a free gift of grace to you. Human love says, don't hurt me. God's love says, I died for you. Human love says, I want, I want, I want. And I'm looking at Connie because we discussed that in, in, in Sunday school this morning. How selfish, how we want, want, and want. And how in God's love is give, give, and give to others. You know, I have been wrestling uh, uh, about sharing this statement, but I have to because I have never been impacted. And James, please forgive me, but it was at June's funeral that I realized how powerful the gospel was for June when she had the choice of so many hymns that she has sung throughout her life. She chose one that I had never heard in my life. Others. 
Many of you may not even know it. But it was the beauty of that special singer that came at that sad moment and sang about others. And though June was in the presence of God and, and, her, and her weak vessel was there, she was testifying this about others. Not about me, myself, and I. It's about others. So God's love is about others. And I saw that how that sister testified in this congregation. And it's part of my stories of our life together here. And I'm very proud to have met her. So God's love is very different than our love. When human love says, I will love you if you are until you're attractive. And God's love says, I've created you fearfully and wonderfully made. Human love says, I love you as long as you make me happy. Mm. God love says, even when you deny me, I will still love you. Amazing. You see, Paul reminds us that love is patient, but not our love, the kind of love of God. That love is kind. That love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. Good to be blonde with a joke of not remembering at that moment. I don't remember your offense. It does not rejoice about injustices, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Uh, Our kind of love is proud and arrogant, and it tends to be narrow It tends to be short. It tends to be low and shallow. But Paul reminds us very much on how wide is God's love. How long can God's love be? How high it can be and how deep it can go. So may you have the power to understand all, as all God's people should, How wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love? But how do we do this? How do we shed our kind of love, which is imprisoning, which is enslaving, which is limiting, which is limited, which is controlling and manipulative? Yes, it is. Lord, show me myself. How do we deal with that? There is one spiritual discipline that, that uh, I am practicing more and more and more, and it's called the spiritual discipline of surrender. Give it up. Surrender is giving up our insistence, our opinions, our right, and adopt God's ways of love. The discipline of surrender means we must trust God. We must trust our Lord Jesus Christ in all things without doubts or faults, in our faith. We let go our hold on our perceived rights, agendas, and opinion, and give up. In this way, 
we can surrender to his love and embrace God's will in our lives. Uh, did that ever happen? Has that ever happened? John the Baptist at one time was confronted because the, the, there seemed to have been a competition between John the Baptist and Jesus. And, and, and some of the people perceive the competition and some people are going to John the Baptist and some people are going to Jesus, who's the one? And they came to John the Baptist, and they confronted him. Are, are you it, or, or are, should we go somewhere else? And John the Baptist honestly, genuinely surrendered the prophetic call for which he was called and was doing it. He said in these amazing words, It is necessary that I decrease and he increase. That's how we surrender, by decreasing our self, and adopting an increment of Jesus' attitudes and thoughts in our lives. No life is more secure than a life surrendered to God. Do you agree with this statement? You see, surrendering is basically giving up the bondage, releasing us from the bondage of self to follow Christ with freedom and joy. Then ministry can be fun because we don't have the, 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 the fears, the what ifs, the what when. Because we're going to trust God and God without doubt and without fault in our faith. It, is, it takes guts to do that, to surrender oneself. Jesus, uh, Peter said it in this way, give all your worries and anxieties and cares to God. For he cares about you. So surrender those fears. Surrender those fears that are keeping you bound and in bondage. Yield unto the Lord. If someone says, I love God, the Apostle John reminds us in one of his universal epistles towards the end of Scripture. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, <gasps> uh-oh. That person is a liar. They're lying themselves, you know. For if we don't love people who we can see, how can we say we love God whom we cannot see? And if he has given us this commandment, those who love God must also love their fellow believer. Yield to the powerful love of God. Give up control and let God really lead you as a follower. Surrender yourself to the love that came, to the transforming love that came on Christmas, because love came down on Christmas. Amen.